BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Listen, I've traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel I've had my share, man. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I am your host, Adam Best, here with Sterling Holmes. This is our first time ever doing the Wednesday show. We are pumped to be here and doing this for you. We're going to be trying a lot of things out today, very experimental. So uh, to quote Russell Wilson, let's ride. And uh, that was, um, that was I've Been Everywhere by Johnny Cash, a tribute to Legereus Sneed, who was the everywhere man on the field last Sunday, just a really impressive performance. Uh, so that's a little tribute to our, our guy Sneed. Yeah. How you doing? Sterling? For Sneed. Doing great. I'm doing fantastic. You know what else is fantastic? Casey beer co by the way, not just that's a right. Tuesday show, not just the Thursday show, not just game day, Wednesday and every day. Arrowhead Attic podcast sponsored by KC beer co. If you have not tried it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Get get you some Casey Beerco. You'll see the red cartons. Same purity laws since 1516 is how they brew that bad boy. We say it every day, every week. It's true. Casey Beerco, it is the best. I'm doing great, man. Chiefs are 1-0. I'm here doing a podcast with you, the Blog's right. father. Man, can't be better. Back after a 10-year hiatus, I am so pumped to be here. Let's let's get rolling. Uh, yeah, let's- our, our first segment is we're going to do weekly awards. And our first award, we're going to do a little pop culture twist on these. The first one is the He Can't Keep Getting Away With It award. He can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> Everyone keeps saying the league is catching up to Patrick Mahomes. You know what I say? They're liars. How does Patrick Mahomes keep getting away with everything he does on a week-by-week basis? Yeah, I think the Breaking Bad clip is perfect because we keep hearing that the league is catching up with him and it never happens. Trying to stop him is like, you know, trying to solve a Rubik's Cube blindfolded. Uh, (laughs) In week one, he led the entire NFL in passing EPA. Uh, Check this stat out. It is 75 games for the Chiefs so far. This was his second best game in EPA expected points added per drive. According to football outsiders, Mahomes performance was the second best week one ever by defensive adjusted yards above replacement. And I really like this stat too. He, he continues to evolve 
and he only took 2.3 seconds to throw. That was the sixth fastest time in the league. So the gunslinger is now also a quick draw artist. Good luck stopping him. Mm. Yeah, it's wild to me. And that last one's very interesting. Was that part of the offensive line? Was it necessity? I actually don't think so. I just think we'll see more of that. They don't need to push the ball downfield the same as when Tyreek Hill was here. Tyreek Hill's best attribute was stretching the field, right? Well, if teams are going to play this cover two shell, then you're going to see a lot quicker releases. Peyton Manning known for this. Tom Brady known for this. A lot of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, teams are scared about giving up the big play. Arizona was nervous about giving up the 75 yarder. So what do you do? You take what the defense gives you. That's getting the ball out quick, getting it to Juju Smith-Schuster, getting the ball to Travis Kelsey, who what a quiet 121 yards. You get the ball to McCole Hardman, this, that, and the other. It does not matter. Even Clyde Edwards, a out of the backfield, getting the ball out quick, taking what the defense gives you was paramount in week one for Mahomes in Kansas City. And how about that mind meld that he and Juju Smith-Schuster have already formed? It's like they've been playing together for six or seven years, not less than six months. Really, really incredible. And uh, they've got some zone beaters now. So mm-hmm. if you're going to drop people back now, Arizona, for some reason, blitzed. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on down there in the desert. Very dysfunctional franchise. <laughs> but uh, I, it did, they were damned if they did. They were damned if they do. They blitzed. Mahomes cut him up. They didn't blitz. He was still surgical. Uh, I don't know what the league's going to do. Everyone thought that this was he was going to take a step back without Tyreek, and just instantly he's he looks better than ever. Yeah, for, uh, for me, it's one of those situations where the league knows not to blitz Mahomes, but obviously, not only was Kyler Murray not studying. The coaches of Arizona, they weren't studying either. Maybe they need a clause in their contract to study more. Vance Joseph, their defensive coordinator, what are you doing, dude? You cannot this you cannot blitz this this man. He is the best quarterback in the league against the blitz. It hasn't even been close over the past five years. Just stop blitzing Patrick Mahomes. No, keep blitzing Patrick. Come on now. I want to keep seeing this week in and week out. <laughs> yeah, and also please play single high. <laughs> they were they were playing single high. I just don't understand it. Uh, speaking of secondaries, our next award is Top Gun inspired. It's the Need for Speed Award. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Let's be honest. Last year, Daniel Sorensen and the aging defense were slower than the line at the DMV. This year, the secondary is much faster. Uh, the group is led by Juan Thornhill. I think he finally has his speed back after the ACL injury his rookie year. And if you look at who they replaced Charvarius Ward, the Honey Badger, and Sorensen with, four or five starters run a 4-4 or faster. And Rashad Fenton isn't slow. Uh, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson aren't slow. Those guys run 4-5s. Brian Cook is even faster than those guys. He runs somewhere in the 4-4 territory. You could see that that speed on the field. Uh, They did a great job of limiting explosives, right? You even saw that play where Juan Thornhill was going stride for stride with Hollywood Brown, one of the fastest receivers in the league. Uh, I I just think we all have to kind of uh, count our lucky stars that we're not going to see Daniel Sorensen 
give 70 yard touchdowns up to Dawson Knox and then, you know, Tyron Matthew throw his hands up, you know, just, just like what, what's happening. Uh, we've got some speed back there, man. Yeah. I don't want to hate too much on Dan Sorensen for his previous successes for the Kansas City Chiefs in big moments, but it was time to move on. Same thing with Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew's first two years in KC was incredible. His last year, we heard all about the business decisions, and we saw a difference game one. Justin Reed, not only can he kick the ball, uh, surprisingly, he also plays safety, right? We, we, we know about him as a kicker, but he's also What can this guy right? do, right? Yeah. No, no, no. It was just phenomenal, though. Justin Reed's so fast. Juan Thornhill, you're right. He looks back to his rookie season body, and if the – IQ just playing more it catches up that's a complete football player we, we saw that one play where it looked like he was shot out of a cannon as well very very impressive Legereus Sneed very good Trent McDuffie not targeted uh, that's going to be a big loss him on the IR for four games not ideal but if you want to take the glass half full approach with Trent McDuffie the the glass half full would be it's early in the season, gives him time. Later on, he'll come back, and he looks so good as a rookie. Again, not targeted in his first game. Um, and then the linebacking core. I know it's not the secondary, but that's the biggest difference for me. Willie Gay Jr. playing that many snaps. I believe it was 42 snaps. Uh, we saw Nick Bolton play 49. Those two guys, the, the majority. I mean, that's the package they're going to go with. Three cornerbacks, two linebackers, and they were fantastic. So much faster than Anthony Hitchens. I thought Anthony Hitchens sometimes got blamed for certain situations out of his control, right? Everyone saw the contract. He was supposed to be his pro bowler and Hitchens was merely average, merely solid. But Nick Bolton is a massive improvement athletic wise, but the IQ there's been zero drop off. I mean, he has that defense in the right spots. Willie Gay Jr. Looks good. And Nick Bolton was good in coverage. Again, the improvement there is definitely something to watch as he has to go up against Austin Eckler and the Chargers. He looks even more fast. Uh, he was a little slow at times starting last season, but somehow he's not only more instinctive this season, he looks he looks faster. He looks faster getting the ball. Kyler Murray is one of may, – he may not be the fastest quarterback in the league, but he is the quickest quarterback in the league. And there was a play where he was scrambling out to the sideline and Nick Bolton corralled him and just tossed him like a ragdoll. It was very impressive. So at both levels, we're seeing increased speed. Uh, Willie Gay didn't have the best game of his life. But despite that, the guy is flying around, uh, trying to make things happen. And I think even when he misses, his speed is still felt. His presence is still felt by the defense because he's one of the most athletic linebackers in the league. And you pair that with this new secondary. The other uh, silver lining with uh, our guy McDuffie being out is Jalen Watson stepped in and got some immediate playing time. And it appears as if Brett Beach has unearthed another late round gem. And Jalen Watson, the seventh rounder from Washington State, came in and played very impressively in, in backup duty. And I, I think the, the rest of the league just has to be scratching their head at how Veach and the rest of the Chiefs brain trust continues to find these late round quarterback gems. Which brings us to the next award, the everyone is in danger award. Lock the doors. Stay in your rooms. Everyone is in danger. 
I love whodunits. I'm a big fan of Benoit Blanc and uh, Knives Out. That was the new Glass Onion trailer. So it's easy to sit here in, in retrospect and think that the Cardinals are trash. But I'm here to tell you they are not trash. Last year, they started off 10-2. and two. They made the playoffs. They have a $230 million quarterback. This is a good team. James Conner is a good running back. Marquise Brown is a very good player. They had some injuries, but still, this is a talented team that usually starts off seasons fast. And the, it, it looked like a JV squad just getting annihilated by a varsity one in, in a real scrimmage, did it not? It, it yeah. wasn't even close. Yeah, it was interesting to watch because I didn't think Arizona was a bad team. I don't think Arizona is a very good team. I said going into this year, I think they take a step back. I think some of the contract drama, some of the dysfunction between the front front office and Kyler Murray, I think Cliff Kingsbury is not a great head coach. I thought injuries obviously early on plays a fairly large factor for the Cardinals in this one. But again, you can only play who's on your schedule. And it wasn't the Chiefs just barely beat the Cardinals. They trounced them. It didn't matter who the Chiefs were playing in this in this game. They were getting the win with how they were playing offensively and defensively. So as much as we can say, yeah, the Cardinals, they're not a great team. The Chiefs took care of business and did everything they could possibly do. There's no more you could have asked from them in this game. When Chad Henney is getting snaps with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter, yeah, that's an ass-kicking. Yeah, it felt like they kind of took their foot off the, the Cardinals' throat in some instances, right? Um, they they kind of left some meat on the bone. If McColl and Mahomes would have hooked up on one of those long bombs, if Juju haven't, hadn't fumbled, it was pretty close to a perfect game. But the scary thing is, is you got the feeling that they took their foot off the gas a little bit at the end of the first half and as the game went on. And you're right. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a good, very good coach. Um, and you had the whole thing about Kyler Murray and his contract and needing the study. That would never happen with the Chiefs. And let's just be thankful that our franchise, the franchise that we cheer for, is one of the most well-oiled machines in all sports. Yeah. Um, you know, a, the roster is just stacked. We hear a lot about the household names, right? Chris Jones, Mahomes, Kelsey, but I think maybe the strongest unit on the roster is the offensive line, particularly the interior offensive line. Creed Humphrey has only allowed one sack in his career and was flawless. Joe Tooney was flawless. Now we lost Trey Smith, but like we mentioned on Sunday, Nick Allegretti steps in and they don't, they don't skip a beat, right? Yeah, I mean, that offensive line is just incredible. Even if Trey Smith needs a game or two off, I'm not worried at all. I I don't know if I would say they're the best offensive line in the NFL. I'd have to do a little bit more research, and I I do think you can make the case that they're the best interior offensive line in the NFL. I I think Orlando Brown Jr. is above average. He's not in the elite category yet, although I do think week one he did show why he's betting on himself, right? That was a very good week one performance from Orlando Brown Jr. Andrew Wiley's, uh, he's good, or fine, I should say. Andrew Wiley's not some spectacular right tackle. Uh, I talked to Tim Grunhard yesterday. Even he said, yeah, he's good, he's fine, but he's not an elite right tackle. But he does a good job in multiple roles. And that's what it comes down to is the interior offensive line, fantastic. 
tackles, they're solid enough. They're doing a great job on the ground, at least through one week, getting holes for every single running back. Didn't matter if it was Clyde, Pacheco, uh, Jarek McKinnon. There was room to run, and they gave Patrick Mahomes time. Even though Patrick threw the ball, and you mentioned it, 2.3 seconds, he didn't necessarily have to. They blitzed nonstop, and Patrick was still having enough time back there. Yeah, he could have folded laundry back there, man. Yeah. Um, uh, if Andrew Wiley is your weakest link, that is a very good offensive line. Now, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles or a few other teams have have better or more mature offensive lines, but this offensive line is, I, I think, top five, and that's undisputable. And they're so young that the upside continues to be enormous. Yeah. So I you know, I, again, the rest of the league, everyone is in danger. Yeah. Next award, the House of the Dragon Award. The only thing that could tear down the House of the Dragon was itself. You don't watch Game of Thrones, do you? No, I have no idea what that is. One of the reasons we're, we're having fun with uh, pop culture is because I'm just a complete junkie. And, and Sterling... Now Sterling's big into complete junkie rock and too. Music. I'm a complete Junk- junkie too, just not <laughs> in, in, in other ways. In other ways, so we're having fun with some TV shows and some some movies, uh, especially some of the popular franchises. We're actually this is a little teaser. We're going to close each show with a segment I think you'll enjoy. But uh, the Chiefs have been the most dominant team in the NFL over the past four years. Uh, their record says that I, I think that we've had the feeling that this it's not there yet, but it, it could be a budding dynasty. And really most of the time when they've stumbled, it has been self-inflicted wounds. If you think about the years they didn't win the Super Bowl out of the last four D Ford jumping off sides uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl and lost to Tampa, Tampa Bay, Andy Reid's son's accident which, you know, just tragic, more important than football, but it, it, it played a factor, right? And then the offensive line falling apart. And then last year, they were coasting to a complete blowout of the Bengals. And then they failed to score with that, that play call, you know, passing short to Tyreek Hill and time expiring, followed by the second half meltdown. So... My hope is that, you know, a lot of things have to go right for you to win a Super Bowl, but the Chiefs are still in a lot of ways a pretty young team. And this coach quarterback combo are kind of learning how to navigate the deep waters of the NFL playoffs. My hope is that they're getting to a point where they will stop uh, kind of stepping on their own toes. I agree with a lot of what you just said, but I also think it puts into perspective how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl, let alone multiple in a short time span, because things do have to break your way. Injuries have to break your way. Um, you could also make the case that while you know, you're know talking about the Bengals game where the Chiefs failed to score and the Bengals had this dramatic comeback, what do you think the Houston Texans were doing when they were up so big early on and choked Ouch. that game away? No, I'm just saying the Chiefs are a much better team, were a much better team than that Houston Texans team, right? 
But at the same time, you know Texans are thinking of that game, uh, even though it was earlier on in the playoffs, in a similar sense of the Chiefs choking away against the Bengals. Yeah, and since you brought up that Houston Texans game, these are the kind of things that unravel weaker franchises. The Houston Texans never came back from that. DeAndre Hopkins got traded. J.J. Watt left. Deshaun Watson, we all know what happened with him. Uh, Bill O'Brien left. That completely shattered a franchise. So while the Chiefs have had some missteps, hosting the AFC Conference Championship four years in a row is unprecedented. And they've shown a lot of resolve to kind of lick their wounds and come back next year and get after it again. No Super Bowl hangover. Uh, we may have seen a Super Bowl hangover from the Bengals this past weekend. They looked pretty awful. And they had chances to put away uh, an inferior team in the Steelers. They couldn't do it. The Chiefs look like a team on a mission. So hopefully they just continue to show that resolve and continue to get better. Because we're, I, I think we're in the golden era of Chiefs football, right? BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I 100% believe we are in the golden era of Chiefs football. Enjoy it while you can. And uh, don't be a hater, which brings us to the next segment, Hater of the Week. This one I'm really looking forward to. Adam, myself, we're going to find someone who's an absolute hater and call them out. What do you have this week, Adam? We've got two. We're going to do a twofer. We've got got a main one, but also – Yesterday, something happened that's getting so much heat that I think we'd be remiss not to, not to hit on. So the first one was ESPN's Bart Scott last week said that the AFC West, uh, there's no fear of Patrick Mahomes. And then he went on, he doubled down and said the Chiefs will miss the playoffs. So let's put how crazy that statement is in perspective. Mahomes is 21 and three. 21 and three versus the AFC West. And all three of those losses were very, very close one score games that went down to the wire. So this division has barely been able to beat him at all. He's been as dominant as any quarterback, save maybe Tom Brady against a, a super pedestrian AFC East during his tenure with the Patriots and Bart Scott you, you know better than this, man. You knew this was going to come back to haunt you immediately. Yeah, Bart Scott can't wait to put you on hater of the week. I don't understand what he's doing here outside. I'll take that back. I do understand what he's doing here. He's trying to be a hot take factor. He wants to be Stephen A. Smith. 
you want to have that hot take because you know why? It's not sexy to pick the Chiefs to win the AFC West again. It's not sexy to say, hey, even the Chargers might win the AFC West this week. No, 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 or this year. He had to go a step further and say the Chiefs were going to miss the playoffs. If the AFC West isn't scared of Patrick Mahomes, I can buy that because I don't think any player is scared. When you get to the highest level of your sport, you're not scared. But if you don't get at least a little bit shit, like the, the Broncos, they've not beaten Kansas City since 2015. Obama was president, people. The Royals won the World Series in 2015. If you're from Kansas City and live here now, you understand how long ago that was. I'm not going to say the Broncos are scared to face Kansas City, but they sure don't want to face Mahomes. Well, and also, if it wasn't fear, then what prompted the Chargers to go out and get Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson? What prompted the Raiders to go get Devontae Adams and the Broncos to get Russell Wilson? This is a division that has been so tormented by Patrick Mahomes that they collectively made – maybe the most drastic moves we've ever seen in an offseason from one division. And that's why everyone is saying that the division is so stacked now that it's this murderous row that we haven't seen before. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll find out a lot Thursday. The Broncos don't look so hot. Uh, the, the Raiders, eh. and, and we'll find out about the Chargers tomorrow. But I think what's going on is the Chiefs have been so good that a lot of the NFL's fan base has Chiefs fatigue. Mm. And it's we saw this with Brady. We saw this with LeBron. When, when a team is in the limelight like that, these kind of talking heads take cheap shots uh, to kind of get, you know, clicks and eyeballs. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why this segment's going to be so fruitful and easy to do every week. The next, the honorable mention part, PFF, what are you doing? And this is hard. Let me preface this by saying I used to thoroughly enjoy pro football focus. I'm not going to hate on everyone there because I do think there's still some people there that do great work, right? Just how I'm not going to hate on everyone in the national media is because Bart Scott had a horrendous take. But this was a hot take factory. PFF used to be this unbiased right the whole point of it was we're going to chart every single snap be unbiased let the numbers show why we got this instead this is a hot take where you put Mahomes barely as a starter level player and just above Davis Mills the ninth best quarterback of week one while Geno Smith is third nothing wrong against Geno Smith he had a fine game but if you watch the games ain't no chance in hell you're putting Geno Smith above Patrick Mahomes let alone Mahomes at nine that is a hater yeah, yeah, and I think PFF does a lot of things well. They gave Legereus Sneed the second-best cornerback uh, grade of the week. They graded Chris Jones and, and, and Nick Bolton in a dominant fashion. I said earlier that Willie Gay didn't have his best game. They graded that appropriately. But when it comes to the quarterback position and, and all the intricacies and nuances, and when you have a player like – Patrick Mahomes versus a player like Jameis Winston or Davis Mills. I I mean, this is like comparing Mozart to the guy at your your local, you know, 
jazz band that you see playing on the street, to, you know, on the weekend to collect, collect spare change. They're playing different sports. They're playing different music. And the way Mahomes influences a defense, even pre-snap, but then you get into the degree of difficulty on the throws Mahomes tries, attempts. A lot of quarterbacks wouldn't even attempt them. And the out-of-structure magic and the things he does, I don't know how you could watch that game. And now we already pointed out how his efficiency metrics were just off the chart. Mm -hmm. But watch that game and tell me that that guy is not at least as good as anybody doing it right now. It's just asinine. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, and I don't want to take anything away from Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen, I think, had himself a very, very good game. Two interceptions, one was his fault. But even then, Mahomes outplayed Josh Allen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm on record now saying I'm done with these comparisons of of Allen and Mahomes, who's better, because I think it takes away into tracks from how good both of of them are individually. It it, it makes you – angry sometimes when you see a Bart Scott when you see a PFF instead of realizing for what it is it's trash it's bad enjoy it we're talking about how great Mahomes is find who you trust who you believe who you who you agree with or even if you disagree with them someone that you respect those are the takes that matter if you don't respect an account a person uh someone who comes up with this stuff if that guy came up to you and said I don't like the way you dress would that guy? Res- would you take it with a grain of salt? Would you take it as as truth? I like your shirt, by the way, Adam. That's not what Thanks, this is about. But if you don't respect that opinion, then don't respect their football opinion. I- I'm going to be more laissez-faire about this because it irritates me to no end, and I've come to enjoy. Mahomes is so good. If you're doing this just to discredit him, you are a hater. Let's just enjoy it. We're- we've been blessed to have the new iteration of Brady versus Manning. And if you want to throw Herbert in there, Lamar Jackson, we've got the new, the new Roethlisberger, the new, the new rivers. It's we're just blessed to watch this level of quarterback play. And it's just different flavors. If, if Buffalo fans think Josh Allen is the best, well, I'm sure they could make an argument for it. I don't agree with it. I feel like our guy is the best, but I agree that let's focus on the positive and not get caught up in the, the, you know, the hot take nonsense all the time. Yeah. One, a one B both are incredible. You'll enjoy life more if you appreciate them for what they both are. And that is just the two best QBs in the NFL time for the next segment. I'm excited about this one. This is called hot take kingdom. I literally just said for us not to have more hot takes and I'm, and we're introducing hot take kingdom. <laughs> Uh, give it to me. What's this new segment about? Yeah. So hot take kingdom. I'm going to make an argument every week and you, the audience and Sterling, my co-host are going to decide if you are going to come into my kingdom and be a part of it. Or if you think I'm wrong and you don't want to be a part of it, you're going to let me know. So either I'm going to knight you guys and, and make you part of the kingdom or you will be banished for disagreeing with me. That's, that's just how it goes. And this week's kind of a contentious topic in chief's kingdom, uh, more so than I think it should be. I wanted to start with this player for a reason. He's one of my favorite players. I think he's a great guy. He was just at, uh, 
I guess yesterday he was just at Joe's barbecue and he sat down with a family and just started chatting it up with them. I'm talking about Chris Jones. And the hot take is Chris Jones is a top seven defensive player in the NFL and deserves way, 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 way more respect from Chiefs fans. Mm. Um, he can, my theory here is that he can wreck a game in a few, in, in a way few players can. Right. And I've actually listed the players that I'd take before him. Aaron Donald. Mm. I don't think there's any, any disputing that. Uh, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, Jalen Ramsey, and Jair Alexander. That, that's it. Basically, Aaron Donald, the freak of all freaks, the best pass rushers in the league, and the best two corners in the league. Those are the only defensive players that I would take over Chris Jones. That is how valuable I think Chris Jones is. I have Chris Jones right now. Part of it's because Michael Parsons is so new in his career. He's, you know, first game of his sophomore season. I have him ahead of Derwin James. I have him ahead of Jeffrey Simmons. And I'll go ahead and make my case here further. Um, I think you got anything to add before I dive no, in? I, I think you forgot a Bosa brother. There's two, you know. <laughs> oh, Joey? I don't think Joey's as good as me. I know, I know they're very... I know they're very similar, but I would take Chris Jones over, over Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa's hurt a lot too. And I know if Chargers fans, if you're watching this, I also admitted Khalil Mack, but I got your guy Derwin James in there. So you you can't be too mad. (laughs) Come on. Chris Jones is outstanding. I I like Chris Jones a lot. I think he's the, I would say second best interior defensive lineman in the NFL. I'd put him in the same category as DeForest Buckner. I think they're right there at 2A and 2B because I do think there's such a gap from Aaron Donald to Chris Jones. Chris Jones I agree with that. sometimes doesn't get the respect he deserves, especially even in Chiefs Kingdom. It seems like there's a fraction of fans who have been somewhat irritated with his play. I'd probably go with Tredavious White as well. Uh, the, the, the Bills cornerback, I think Trey White is incredible. Um, if you're going to count, for sure. if you're going to count any safeties, you could probably say Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde, but I don't think safety is necessarily as important as a position as, as a, a guy who can get after the quarterback. The only thing I would say against Chris Jones is the other guys you named, they typically don't have games or stretches where they feel like they disappear at times we've seen two or three game stretch where Chris Jones has been a non-factor now week one he was incredible he was outstanding I hope this continues but to say he's top seven I think he if you said top 10 I think I'd be all in riding with you but top seven it wouldn't be a hot take if I went top 10 or top 12 or top 15 but does he disappear or is he the kind of player who can influence a game without, without sacks? Because I think as fans and as analysts, we're very focused on counting stat, uh, stats like sacks, but a lot of times they don't tell much of the story. And I think outside of Aaron Donald, no other player can successfully take on double teams and frequently generate pressure like Chris Jones does. And taking on those double teams and wreaking havoc wherever he is on the line, 
does a lot for his teammates. We saw this on Sunday. Carlos Dunlap had a sack because Chris Jones, now he got away with a little hold, but he was occupying two guys at once, which allowed Chris, uh, Carlos Dunlap to get a sack on the stunt. We saw Mike Dana and uh, George Karloftis, Furious George, both get, I actually think one of them got six hurries and one of them got five hurries. And I feel re-watching the game, a big part of that was that Chris Jones is just kind of the center of gravity that the opposing coaches, offensive line and quarterback have to be so concerned with that he allows these other guys to get advantageous situations. And I'm, I'm with I, you. I hear you thinking. I hear no, you I'm thinking. With, I, hear I'm with you. I, I do think there's definitely more to definitely more than just sacks. I think pressures are the number you can look to first. Then it also comes, can you finish plays? Because the Chiefs last year, they were fine in pressures. That wasn't the issue. If you look at the numbers, they were, I, I want to say it was top 10 in pressures. When you look at the sack numbers, they were bottom five. Eventually, pressures have to turn into sacks. It's great getting after the quarterback, but until you actually convert, it doesn't mean as much, right? If teams are still able to complete the passes, because we've seen the evolution of quarterbacks, hell, you can get pressure on Mahomes. He's still going to find a way to cut you up. You get pressure on Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. They'll still find a way to get it done. I'm not saying Chris Jones is not a game changer. I'm not saying he's not a game wrecker. But I do think at times, at times we need to we need to see a little bit more consistency if we're going to say he's a top seven player in the in, a defensive player in the NFL. Now, my counter argument to that would be, I think he needs some help to finish. Frank Clark is a replacement level player. The Chiefs defense through a lot of Chris Jones's tenure has been, you know, subpar at times, historically bad. I mean, to start the season last year, that was a historically bad defense through the first month, six weeks, something like that. They move him back from defensive end to the middle where he's comfortable, his natural position and add Melvin Ingram uh, a fairly good edge, I, I think at this point, a better edge than Frank Clark. And you immediately see that pay dividends. Uh, so my hope with the additions of Karloftis and Dunlap in particular is that if Chris Jones can continue to, to eat up double teams and cause pressure up the middle, that these guys can come in and clean it up. And I think the Chiefs have been missing that to some extent. But I, I think in the big games, he, he does tend to show up. He, I mean, there was an argument that he was the Super Bowl MVP. In that game, he caused an interception. He batted numerous balls. In the fourth quarter, he just completely took over. I mean, the, I, I think the reason Jimmy Garoppolo melted was just because Chris Jones was in his head at that point. And we saw this. Uh, again last year against the Cowboys in that game where he just completely manhandled Zach Martin, a guy that nobody manhandles, right? And if there's one nitpick I have against him, I think you're right. He is not as consistent as these top seven guys, top six guys. That's why they're the top six or seven guys. But I think he is 
he has more potential. Someone like Trey White, I just don't think can can single-handedly disrupt and win a game the way we've seen Chris Jones win a game. I would also like to point out, if you are a good interior defense alignment like Chris Jones is, the value is so much higher. Um, just even if you want to go by, let's say, uh, win rate. We're going to go with pass rush win, win rate because we know that's what he majorly does. He's not going to be a D tackle who's in there to stop the run. He's after to get up to the quarterback, right? So using that stat, he was second in the NFL as a defensive tackle behind Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald won 26% of the time. Chris Jones won 21% of the time. Uh, after him, Hargrave was 19, Quinton Williams 15, and it was a steep drop-off at D tackle after that. But if you're going to go with game changers, then if we're going to use the same stat, we're going to use edge guys now. Miles Garrett was 28, Robert Quinn 26, Josh Sweat 26, while the Eagles were getting up to the quarterback last year. Jadavion Clowney surprisingly 24, TJ Watt, Bosa, uh, then Derek Barnett also in the Eagles at 23. So if you're just going by pass rush win rate, which is what you were – tough word to say – which you were trying to it go is. by as far as not just sacks, but as far as pressures, I know it's different positions. But if you're going to go by influence in a game – could you make the case that those guys influence more, even if it is a different position? Possibly. But my counter argument to that would be that Aaron Donald and Chris Jones see more double teams. And Aaron Donald does a lot. The slight misconception with Chris Jones was he sees a ton of double teams. I have to pull back up the stat. It wasn't as much as one thought. But still more than edge rushers, generally. Correct. Correct. So, you know, I don't know if it's because his salary. And I think when you are one of the highest paid defenders in the league, this is why Frank Clark opened himself up to such scrutiny, right? If Frank Clark was making, if, if we surrendered a fourth round pick and he made $11 million a year, would people be so upset about kind of the way Frank Clark's tenure in Kansas city went? No. Uh, Chris Jones is one of the highest paid defense players in the NFL. So I understand when he hasn't had any actual sacks in the postseason, people kind of feel like he, he isn't, you know, the chiefs aren't getting what they paid for, but I think, I think they mostly have gotten what they've paid for. And I think if he can stay healthy uh, and, without the goofy kind of experiment to play him out of position, this can be his most, his best year yet. And you made a statement about him not being good about the run. Uh, Sunday, he was very, very good against the run. He actually graded better against the run than he did against the pass. Uh, most notably, there is that play where he just devoured. He, 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 I think he just ate James Conner as a snack and James Conner fumbled. Uh, so hopefully that's a sign to come of, improved play against the run for Chris Jones. Uh, we got uh, a question. Is the win rate based on one-on-one? The stat I have does not d- uh, show if it's one-on-one or if it's going up against multiple guys. Uh, for Aaron Donald, I'd probably believe that's even going up against multiple dudes. That 26% is just – you saw what he does one-on-one. It's Good it's question, over. Jerome. Yeah, it's a great qu- question there, Jerome. But, no, I think Chris Jones is a underrated player. At this point, I think Chris Jones has gone full circle from a guy who was underrated for a lot of his tenure 
then a lot of folks are like, yeah, he, he is this guy. And now he's almost underrated again. Like he's gone in this weird cyclical circle. And I think this could be his best year yet based on the guys he has around him. If George Karloftis continues to do what he did week one, if Mike Dana, I don't know if that's going to continue, but Mike Dana, I believe had six pressures week one. If that continues, I mean, that's what it comes down to is not everyone can do this one-on-one or by themselves, I should say. Like, you need help. Aaron Donald even has help. It also helps when you have Jalen Ramsey, another guy who can guard his wide receiver one-on-one that long. You can get some covered sacks. So I do think Chris Jones statistically could have one of his best seasons in his career. This is our first time doing this, so we're going to do a poll. I have no clue how to do a poll. If you're asking me, no. I think Mike on the back end is going to create a poll for us. So he'll create the poll. We'll move on to the analytics addict. You and I both pretty big into analytics. We love the underlying numbers. What is this segment going to go forward with? Today we're looking at running back yards before contact. In particular, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So last season, he averaged 2.6 yards before contact uh, per carry. Not, not a very sterling number, since I'm here with sterling. Um, uh, against the Cardinals, though, his YBC number was up to six per toe. Six. So limited sample size warning, sure. But let's hope that a fully healthy CEH appears to have better burst. We know, actually, it was... a a story that broke on this podcast about CEH struggling with the gallbladder issue. And we know he had uh, just a laundry list of other health issues. He never had his, he never really had a regular rookie season because of COVID and COVID protocols. Correct. So my hope is with the revamped offensive line with, and, and I haven't been a huge CEH backer, but with this offensive line and with the full bill of health, perhaps we'll get the best version of CEH we have yet. And analytically, at least through one game, there's a strong case for that. Yeah. I also think they used him better week one than we've seen in years past with Clyde. They used him in the passing game a few times and he looked good. I do think the health is the main issue right I think health was what was holding him back I think having the full offseason OTAs because once he got healthy from the gallbladder surgery once he got his his speed his athleticism back because it takes time this isn't fucking rec league basketball this is the NFL if you are just even off a little bit you're half a step slow not everyone's half a step slow you're not still getting by these guys these are all world-class athletes once we saw him get back to his weight his health he was really solid Then he broke his collarbone, but now we're seeing him back and he looks extremely good. I do think some of the yards per contact, like you mentioned, comes from the offensive line. That interior is just so good. We know our Leonard Brown Jr. can block in in, in the run game and and, and run uh, protection based on what we saw with him in Baltimore. I'm excited for Clyde. I I was saying this. I hated the draft pick because I hate any running back draft in the first round. But I think he's a really solid running back that's being undervalued, especially to play fantasy football. I kept telling folks he might be a three-down back, and we saw a lot of that early on week one until it was a blowout. Then we saw Pacheco really get his opportunity, while Isaiah Pacheco also did very good. I think that also speaks to how good the offensive line is as a whole. 
Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was out on Clyde. And one of the cases against him as a receiver was, well, dude, you're playing with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Honestly, maybe the two best receivers in the NFL, despite being in their second and third year. And those guys were just clearing out ungodly amounts of space for Clyde. And so, of course, he was, you know, he was catching little dump offs in the flats and whatnot. But on Sunday, he did look he did look spry and kind of silky smooth in the passing game. Uh, his hands looked good. He, he was kind of firing on all cylinders. And I agree with you. A lot of that yards before contact stat can be attributed to the offensive line, but he was hitting the hole faster. He was hitting the hole harder. He he's always been a tough runner who put his head down and, and churn, but the speed he was getting to the offensive line with, I saw a notable difference uh, on, on Sunday. And to me, that's a very encouraging development because it really it didn't look like, Oh, in the, in the past, at times, you could comp- compare Clyde to, say, Jarek McKinnon. And it just felt like Jarek McKinnon was hitting the hole so much faster than Clyde. And maybe a little bit of that was still there. I mean, Jet is a very quick dude. And Isaiah Pacheco also has some serious wheels. But Clyde did not look slow to me on, on Sunday. Yeah, I always considered Clyde as the, like the Mario of a running back where it's, he doesn't excel necessarily in one specific attribute, right? But he does everything well, solid and pass pro solid receiver, not the fastest guy by any means, but he has a little bit of burst solid vision. And that's what I think we're going to see from Clyde. And that's also why I think he can play three downs, but why Andy Reid and the chief decided to keep Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. They do bring a little extra wrinkle because they do have something those guys both excel in, the jump cut, the one cut, that you make one cut and gone. Yeah, Jake McKinnon can do that. That's not Clyde's specialty. But if you want someone who can do a little bit of everything well, then Clyde is the guy for you. They got Ronald Jones, too, who not good at pass pro, not good in the passing game. But if you want like a one cut home run hitter, he he's that in a way Clyde is not. So this is the best running back room the Chiefs have had. And I think that's that's hard to argue against. I really like the depth. Uh, I think that they're prepared for injury. I can't get the picture of Mario. Like I just now whenever I see Clyde run, I'm just gonna see you know his little Mario, you know, Super Mario legs. I'm just gonna picture picture him hitting some bricks or something. Uh, he's such a like compact tough little guy but uh yeah that's that's the first uh, segment of uh analytics addict if you guys have stats you want to point out for us hit us up on twitter you know where to find us our handles are on the screen right now um this will be a reoccurring segment uh and speaking of reoccurring segments our final one this should be a little fun is called spot the fake so earlier i mentioned that uh, while both of us are pop culture junkies in our own ways, Sterling here is not, he, he's kind of like a Marvel Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Game of Thrones virgin. Is that, is that oh, yeah. fair to say? Oh yeah. 
My old Jeep had a Star Wars logo on it, and I had zero idea. I got it used, obviously. Whoever had it before me had some Star Wars logo. I'm like, someone would come up to me like, yo, nice logo. I'm like, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I had no idea what it was. And someone eventually came up to me and goes, are you really big into Star Wars? I'm like, no. And they had explained to me that was a Star Wars logo. So I even had it on my car, and I still had zero idea. Well, you're smarter than the rest of us. You have all this time and money and, and you know, we're, we're all wasting, wasting away on the MCU and all this stuff. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to list off four things. Three of them will be real. And the fourth one in, in any order will not be. And Sterling has to try to identify which one the phony is that I came up with. So, the first installment is which of the following is not a droid from the Star Wars series? L337, R2, R2D2. I know that guy. K2, SO. <laughs> what, what, uh... one, one more, one more. B12, D3. I'll go B12 D3 because B12 is a drink, I'm pretty sure, or like a vitamin. Yeah, you got it. You got it. I, I think I made the first one a little too easy. You know, B, B12, B12 D3 is just vitamins that I threw together. See, come um, on now. I, I see. I, I took the ACT. Old boy got a 29. I'm not smart. There you go. I'm a good test taker. There you go. Well, you passed the first one. I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, I wanted to give you a win a layup Thank the you. first time and we'll make these increasingly harder. You know, I'll, I'll ask you about like ancillary characters from Lord of the Rings next time or something. See, it was basically the chiefs going up against the Cardinals week one. You got to give them a win. Come on. It's easy. Yeah. we got to start this show off on the right foot. Who you got tomorrow night? Oh, come on. Is that even a question? It's a clown question, bro. Chiefs 31 chargers 23. I think the chargers are a good team. I think that sometimes we get so focused on how good Kansas City is, we try to maybe find ways to discredit other teams because we've seen how folks in national media keep picking the Chargers year in and year out. This does feel slightly so different. So trendy, the Char- right? But the, the, Char- the Chargers are a good team. I don't want to take anything away from that. I think Justin Herbert is a hell of a quarterback. Uh, no kid move. He should be out according to uh, head coach of the Chargers, Staley. Um, no Trim McDuffie for four weeks. Big loss for, for, for the Chiefs. But that kind of is an offsetting move. But I like Kansas City at home short week. Mahomes early on with Andy Reid. It's a combination you just love. I don't know if the Chargers are ready, ready yet. Uh, later on in the year in L.A., maybe I'll take the Chargers. But week two in KC, Chiefs kingdom with the new badass field. Give me Kansas City. Yeah, the Chargers were charging a little bit on Sunday. And, you know, we talked about the Chiefs getting in, in their own way. The Chargers are the reigning undisputed champions of, of shooting themselves in the foot and getting in their own way. They find a way to do it every year. Every single summer, they are the hot girl team of the summer. And by December... Everyone's trying to explain what went wrong. So 
Of course, I'm going Chiefs. I'm going 34-24. I think it will be a game. I think it will be a good game. I think they'll they'll push the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs will outclass them. And uh, I look for I'm predicting MVS to catch his first bomb of the season. What makes every time the Chiefs go up against the Chargers interesting, it's not just Mahomes and Justin Herbert, is Brandon Staley. It's how is he going to coach? Because he's extremely aggressive. And it worked for him the first time around last year. Second time, you could have made the case it could have worked for him, but his tight end should have caught that ball. He, he dropped it, ended up knocking himself out. If he makes that catch, we're probably talking about a completely different situation. But he's so aggressive that he mm. sometimes leaves points on the board. We all remember them not choosing to go for the field goal uh, right before halftime, came back to bite them. So I do think that's something interesting to at least monitor is, does Staley coach any differently as far as aggressiveness? Because will they be going for it in their own 50 or on their own 50 early in the game again? Yeah, and their offensive coordinator, Lombardi, uh, in my opinion, he left a lot to be desired last year. They they kind of had a little bit of a robotic, ho-hum offense that didn't generate a lot of explosives. And I think one thing that they don't have that the Chiefs have is they don't have elite speed on their offense. They don't have the guys that can, that can take it to the house like McColl and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I'm, I'm hoping that is, that is the difference, that our team speed really shows out tomorrow night. But I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to see in about 24 hours, won't we? Yeah, one last thing I want to say. Jerome had a great comment. Do you feel Chargers play to level of competition? Uh, I think it's a very good point. The Chargers are seemingly always doing that. Against good teams, the Chargers play close. Against bad teams, they play close. Against the Raiders, uh, with a chance to make it to the playoffs, they play extremely close and choke it away. It's kind of just the Chargers' method. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if that just shows the, I, I would say, discrepancy in the NFL where it feels like there's not a ton where a lot of teams are, are just in that middle ground. Cause I don't think the Chargers are an elite team by any means, but I think they're a good team, but they seemingly always play to competition. So Jerome, I think it's a very good point. Yeah. It's, it's a really, it's a really great point because if you call one of the things that unraveled their season last year was that loss when they went down to Houston and got beat by the freaking Texans that, that probably cost them a playoff berth. So, yeah, I do, think they, I do think they play to the level of their competition. And part of that probably comes down to coaching. And I, and I think most people would trust our coaching staff more during crunch time. Oh, easy. It's Andy Reid. I know he's had his – Fair share in the past of blunders, but that's going to happen when you are in uh, the spot that he's been in for as long as he's been a head coach. Bill Belichick had his share of late decision issues that have not gone his way. And some you look back and say, yeah, he may have gotten away with that one. Tom Brady and the tuck rule. I mean, there's so many situations you can look back and say, if one thing broke this way or that, we're talking about a head coach and decision-making completely different. I do think angry, drunken German had a very funny comment here. Uh, Staley coaches like a 12-year-old plays Madden. I kind of agree, but also, 
it did work the first time around against Kansas City. And if they're picking up those fourth and fours, fourth and five from midfield, that can be a massive difference. Again, it's a risk, but it feels like a risk he is willing to take. Some of the analytics even disagree with how aggressive he is, but it it, it works in a game-by-game basis. And if it doesn't happen, like, like, again, I always go back to that touchdown that the Titan knocked himself out on. I do feel if if he catches that ball, our folks afterwards saying, wow, Brandon Staley, what a hell of a call. What a, look at the stones on him. You know, what a great head coaching performance. I do think that's something to put into perspective. Sometimes the process can be right and the result is wrong. When you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, if you start kicking a lot on fourth and one, fourth and two, that that's not that's not a sound rationale either. So, but I think not only is Andy Reid a more tested and innovative coach, this is an offensive league, and Brand Staley is a defensive coach, so there's an advantage too. But there's an argument that the Chiefs have the best set of coordinators that they've been able to retain in the National Football League. We've been very blessed that. Uh, other front offices, other owners haven't hired Eric Bieniemy, And I think that is going to be one of the linchpins that, that continues to hold this offense together and gives it continuity despite so much changeover. Hmm. So. I will also say for everyone who likes Arrowhead Addict, we'll be doing a pregame halftime Post-game tomorrow, all be live. Going to be fantastic. Uh, Adam, you're going to be there. I think I will be there. Matt Verderam, Patrick Allen should be there. Should be a great time. So if you want to listen to more Chiefs Talk from Arrowhead Addict, check out tomorrow, pre, half, and post. I will be there uh, definitely for the post-game. So hey, thanks for everybody for hanging out with us today. We'll keep working on this show. Let us know what you think. And uh, until next time, I'm Adam. This is Sterling. Go Chiefs. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.